Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Also, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us as we continue telling these important stories. You can find that at patreon.com and search adoption colon the making of me. Again, that's patreon.com search adoption colon the making of me. And please remember to subscribe, share and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Here we are again. Hi, Louise. Hi, Sarah. Good to see you. Good to see you, as always. <laughs> so here we are. We are heading into the second half of the book, which is actually, she's calling it part three, the healing. But we've been through eight chapters and we're starting on number nine. And as you all know, last week we had Nancy Vary on, which was very exciting. And we touched on like what maybe some solutions for adoption would be, which is so interesting that now we're on that chapter about what solutions could be. So the chapter nine is called In the Best Interest of the Child. So what what jumped out at you right away, Louise? Well, I thought a couple of things were interesting. Something you and I and Rebecca Autumn talked about was just that the open adoption thing that this kind of got into the new things that people are doing, like open adoption and is that or really new, new ish? Cause this was like, right. Ago, but yeah. right. And it's still kind of new, right? It's still sort of, or it's still the way people seem to be handling. They're it. seem yeah. to be handling it. And it, it got into the whole, is it best for the baby still to have that whole scenario? Like we're not really looking at what's best interest for the child in any of these adoption scenarios. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what makes the birth mother feel better. What makes the adopted parents feel better. None of it probably makes the birth mother feel that much better. And some of the children, when they look back on this, they're kind of turned off by how this has been handled. So it's like, she's proposing ways that could be done better. And how can we, adoption's here to stay. You said that on our last podcast. Yeah. And it is here to stay for very good reasons. It's here to stay, but how we handle this with children needs to keep going forward with better conversations and people handling it better for the children. Maybe it's well, and I think it's, you know, it it circles back to what we've been talking about since we started this is that nobody thought that babies were aware of what was happening. Right. So even when they the birth mother doing the ritual with the adoptive parents to hand over the baby obviously wasn't for the baby. It was it, it was for their own need to feel better about what they were doing. Because I'm wondering if really deep down the adoptive parents maybe know it's like a weird thing to be taking a baby, especially if they're witnessing the birth, right? It yes. used to be when we were babies, oh, they, they didn't have to face that. It was just, we were handed off. But in this scenario where they're in the, and they're involved with the birth mother for the months of her pregnancy, they're in the delivery room with her. Yes. Like maybe there's, they must know and feel weird on that, some level that about part, taking that baby away. I agree. That part sort of I didn't really know there was these rituals, actually. I have so, two friends who who were in the delivery room with a baby they were going to adopt, and the birth mother changed her mind. Well, that, and they got, I was thinking that must happen a lot because all of a sudden you're seeing two parents who really want your baby. Something she touched on here is if the birth mother changes her mind, we have to allow that to happen because mm-hmm. that is the mother of this baby. So she gets into this whole part about the birth mother 
there needs to be pre-counseling, post-counseling, which yes, of course yes. did not happen with our mothers. Or within, I don't even think it's happening now. Or no. It wasn't, at least at the writing of this book. And It wasn't. And we don't know that many people it has happened for. So I think she talked about there has to be If counseling. there are any listeners out there that have, have <laughs> tried something different, we'd love Tell to us. hear your stories. We so would love it. Be in touch with us. Please, because this is going to go on our podcast. So I feel like there's no counseling for the mother. So they sort of get into this thing where the birth mother may not know why she's doing what she's doing. She has to have a really conscious reason to do what she's doing. And in some cases, she does. She knows why she's doing it. They even got into the part where some birth mothers were sort of bargaining for money. Right. Yeah. And that gets really kind of weird. Well, because and the other thing that they got into was how it's a big business adoption. There's a a lot of money. So it's a baby business. There's someone we were trying to get on our show who wrote a book. I will have to look up the name. There was a New York times article about her where she talks about finding out she was bought and sold and her parents bought her at a, at a price and how that made her go, what, you know, this wake up call. So this is the baby business is a big business and who's form of trafficking in a weird way. It is. And who, where's the best interest of the child here? So it gets into, I mean, there's, there's real biological moms who need to give up their children and there's really wonderful adopted parents who want to bring that in, but she wants people to be aware of the problem is still the, the primal wound. Oh, there was a quote here. I loved it. She said right here. If both sets of parents then want to have some kind of ceremony after they do some healing and some counseling, yes, that's fine. As long as everyone remembers that remembers that it's for them, it's not going to diminish the trauma of the loss. The baby will suffer as a result of his separation from his biological mother. It will not prevent the primal wound, right? No matter what ceremony or how great parents do it. It really needs to be addressed. Still, we're on the primal wound. We're still on the separation from the baby from the original mother is just as big as no matter how open and loving. So I think that she gets into this is where the healing has to start because we have to go forward as a society into bigger conversations. How do we help that wound heal? Yeah, I guess that was kind of what about what did you think? Well, there, I, of course, highlighted a lot as always. <laughs> it's like every page. Like you just touched on that about making that conscious choice. And then I kind of highlighted. So the adopting parents, no matter how much they want a baby, must also understand the implications for the baby if he's separated from the biological mother. The instinct to parent is powerful. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that this is the reason they want to adopt. It's mm-hmm. much better to be honest about the yearning to be a parent than to proclaim some altruistic hocus pocus about rescuing the child from some unknown terrible fate. Mm-hmm. I like that part, actually, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's okay to say we want to be parents and we can't be parents. Whatever we're doing isn't working for us or we want to be parents by not bringing a child into the world, but by helping the children that are brought. But we want to be parents. That's the key. Not like I'm a rescuer, you know, that whole, because the reality is, is if you want to be a parent and you should be a good parent to that baby and know it's about the baby and really be prepared, all parents should be prepared for a baby, right? But she did talk about that too, about, Mm -hmm. you know, really understanding the needs of a baby. It's important. This is coming to the end of the chapter, but it's important for parents, whether adoptive or biological, to realize that children take a great deal of time, attention, and understanding. It makes me nervous when people say that they want to have a baby. I'd mm-hmm. feel better if they would say, I want to rear a child. Yeah. 
And then there's a next part where adopted children take even more patience and understanding than biological children for all the reasons already outlined in this book. They are especially sensitive to being left in daycare centers or with rotating nannies or babysitters, for example, because they've already experienced abandonment. Mm -hmm. All infants and children under three, of course, suffer from this experience. Mm -hmm. They're not ready for extended time for their mother. So I was thinking about that in our own lives. Like the first time I took Jack to preschool, he was three and it was just two days a week. I had to go into my office and it was literally like traumatizing for me and for him. He, they were like, he'll be fine when you leave. And then I go to that window where you can watch them. Yeah. He wasn't fine. He was like, mommy for like an hour. And I wasn't fine. And it didn't get that much better. And I was thinking, gosh, what did I go through? I remember, I remember being in preschool and crying a lot. I had a lot of separation anxiety. And now I understand why. And I became highly independent in a weird way. And I think a lot of adopted people do, or we, I mean, my adopted friends like you and I could name a few others and I won't out them. We're all very independent in a very like pushback way. And I do think some of that is this original trauma. And then the times you're left with a babysitter. I mean, no one thought of this. <laughs> I mean, she is right. Like other kids, you know, cause I've yes. talked to friends and we've talked about, I was talking to a friend the other day. I can't remember who it was talking about how we cried in kindergarten, going to kindergarten and she wasn't adopted. So oh, of course some people, you know, but it is something. And and I really liked this last line of the chapter. Yeah. Children come into the world as tiny, helpless, totally dependent beings. We owe it to them to do what is in their best interest. I <laughs> I, I love that. I actually was like, you know, that's the reality. This need, the whole adoption world needs to focus still on the baby or the child, it could be in a child. And this is actually kind of what we get into with our next guest is adopting a child who's gone through trauma and stuff. So it's the same wound. I mean, just having no count. The counseling thing is she actually said, this may need to be litigated in the courts, like outlined when you adopt a child and you give up a baby, you have to go through this. Yes. And speak because I know my birth mother didn't have that. And I think it changed her life dramatically. She did some neat stuff after I was born, but it was all very reckless. And I'm sure it, I my know birth it, mother, it wasn't even her decision. Uh, you know, as soon as, as soon as I was born, well, when, when she landed from the plane and I got to the hospital and the nurse was like, you're having a baby. And, and, uh, her mom, who was also her adopted mother said, you're not keeping that baby. We are not keeping that baby. And then there, she didn't even make that decision. It was made for Imagine her. that being made for you. I can't fathom what she went through. Honestly, no matter how old you are, when you have your baby, it's your baby. I can't even imagine that feeling. I mean, what was she? 19, 18. Oh, it, legally it was her decision. But yeah, I guess well, it wasn't, you know, it was a different time, but I think as we, we talked about with our last two guests, it's a lot of, a lot of those moms, it was, was their decision, <laughs> but kind of, we put that in quotes, right? Like with my biological mom, it really was her decision. I have letters about her decision, but I think it was a very hard decision. And I don't think, I think from knowing a few things about her after she's passed away and with my aunts that that decision was much harder than she thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously in the months and years to follow, it was something that haunted her. And well, and yeah, I can, I can, her, I can know. imagine. I mean, just, and there I, isn't counseling for that. I mean, now we could find some, we could find some counseling. I think for that. there's so many great accessible counselors. Like back then it was weird. To, how expensive was it to even go to a therapist? It was a big deal. I mean, 
You can just lightly get therapy. It was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're Betty Draper and Mad Men. Like such a <laughs> scandal. <laughs> it was a scandal. Oh yeah. If someone was in therapy, it was like, mm, that's a sick ticket, They're right? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all needed it. She's having that. What was that? That word that you'd call, like they used to say women had the vapors. She oh, has the, the vapors. vapors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's crazy. But anyway, I think this chapter, I, I'm excited to read the rest about the healing because we've talked so much about the beginning stuff. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the trauma. Now it's nice to talk about the, the healing. The healing and what's to come and with the adults. And and this is great. I mean, yes. and just this has been, we're, we're on to the next part of this book and our podcast will continue on. So we've loved the letters and people oh, we're getting sending so us so many great messages and emails and yes. comments. And it's really, really keep reaching out, everybody. We love it. Yeah. Please reach out and send us notes and put it on our Facebook page, put some discussions on there and whatever, because we love to have, we want this to continue on past the primal wound. Yeah. We're going to find and, another book. Yeah. So. And so we have lots of room for lots of guests. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Thanks. on to our guests. On to our guests. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great-looking podcast website, and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. Before we get started on our episode today, I just want to give a shout out to our Patreons. It's been really, they've been really supportive and we're so appreciative. So we're going to list out some names for a personal thank you. Yes, it's so exciting. So we have an anonymous, very good friend to the show, to Sarah and I both, <laughs> Linda Pivak. I hope I'm not botching your name. Thank you so much, Linda. Blonde Records. Woohoo, Blonde Records. Yay. Ramona Evans. We grew up together, so that's really touching to me. We have Ron Schneider, who's a good friend of both Sarah and I, mm -hmm. and fellow guest who's been on our show, John Fry. Thank so you, everyone. And again, if you want to support us, you're a fan of us, our podcast, you think it's doing good in the world, you too can become a Patreon. <laughs> Just go to patreon.com and search Adoption, the Making of Me, as we mentioned earlier. Thank you so much. Thanks. Today, we have on a different perspective. We are having on a sibling perspective. And this is very important, we feel, in the whole adoption story. And I met this girl in advertising, and she's just amazing, has taken me and his family in Los Angeles. And Sarah is friends with her too. We're just thrilled to have her on. Please welcome Denise Cruz Castino. Hi, thank you. So Lise. happy to have you, Denise. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored because I, I love what you guys are doing with this podcast. And I just think it's amazing because I think 
you guys sharing your journey of adoption is really going to help people who, you know, have gone through it themselves. So I, I think this is an amazing podcast and I'm honored to be on your show. Thank so, you. yeah. So obviously I'm, I'm a sibling of, of an adopted person of, of an adopted person. So my younger brother, Kenny, we adopted, not me, but my family adopted and my parents adopted him when I was five and Kenny was four. We are six months apart. Where was he prior to this? He was, so his parents, so we grew up in LA, you know, Latina family, big family. I had, I guess, met him and I didn't realize it at a picnic at Griffith Park with all our Latina relatives. And there's a picture, you know, when I, after we had adopted him, I found the picture and I was like, oh, I met him, you know, and he was, they took like this big family picture of all the cousins. So he was a cousin. And there he was sitting there, you know, little Kenny, you know, yeah, so, so cute. And so his, it turns out his grandfather and my grandfather were brothers and his parents were unable to raise him because his dad had accidentally been shot in the head by a stray bullet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was functioning, but his mental facilities just were not all there. And his mom sadly was on heroin and was in and out of prison. And so by the time my parents decided to adopt him, I guess the relatives had all gotten together. And I guess Kenny had been going from family to family to family. And they, the relatives finally said, somebody needs to adopt this child and, and bring him in and raise him. How long had he been going from family to family? I'm guessing those whole four years. You know, I'm not exactly yeah. sure at what point, you know, they figured this out. Again, I was five. So I never really got to ask my parents, when did that start? And did your parents ever bring up those things or just was like, I don't remember when I found that out, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's just it was just like, hey, we are going to have a new brother. And, you know, that was the thing, like from the moment because listening to your stories and how maybe some kids would be like, make fun of you, like, oh, those aren't your real parents. None of that came up for us. It was just like, we have a brother and he's four. It was just like, okay. And I never thought of anything different. It was like, this is my brother. You know, you're, I don't know. It's interesting to hear that some kids would judge a kid for that because it never felt like he wasn't my brother. From day one, here's my brother. He's four. (laughs) It just just is what it is. And when he first came to live with us, we had this teeny tiny house in LA. And so he was in my bedroom. We had two beds. (laughs) I had this really funny story too. Like, before my parents just got a new house that I could have my own room again as a girl, I remember him waking up in the middle of the night and in his sleep, peed on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) So here's this girl going, what's going on? And I'm all, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. (laughs) And he's like like peeing on the floor. And then he wakes up like, what? You know? So maybe that's when my parents went, it's time to get her own room. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, so then we got a bigger house where I got my own room again. And then he shared with my older brother, Greg, and then my oldest brother, Randy, got his own room. And I just remember when he first started living with us, he just had a lot of anger. That didn't exist in my household. You know, I don't think it was Mm -hmm. towards us, but it was on the schoolyard. I just remember he was always getting into fights. And it was just, it just was what Kenny was. It was just, this kid is angry. And as an adult, I can look back and and see the pain that was in him, yeah. you know, because he didn't understand what was going on. And it was kind of funny because he would always beat up some kid. And it was funny because finally some inner city girl, this young black girl, yeah. 
<laughs> she beat him up and she was the same age, you know, but she was like bigger. Cause you know how girls could be so much taller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh. I just remember thinking like, Oh, that's funny. This girl beat him up. Like you know, it was just <laughs> sort of someone put him in his place. I remember that anger because I knew Kenny and I remember yeah. he just mad, mad yeah. and, and, at the bar. He'd be like, I'm there. I'm yeah. And it was like, you know, if you met him, you loved him, you know, he, him. he, Adored you know, him. he worked in sales sometimes. Like he was very personable, charming, very, very charming. Right. Mm-hmm. But one person looked at him the wrong way and that anger was there. Like I said, did I, he I ever heard, get any help therapy he, or he did, he did, you know, like, I can't remember when that started, but let's say maybe not till high school, maybe college. I'm not sure what age the therapy started. And I don't know if it was his choice or my parents' choice. I don't really remember. And as an adult, I remember saying to him, and you guys, it wasn't an adoption. He saw his parents. He spoke to his parents because they just couldn't take care of him. And I said to him as an adult, Kenny, you knew your parents couldn't raise you. They loved you. It wasn't that they wanted to give you up. And I said, and you got so much love from our parents and you got therapy. Why is it that you're still so angry? You know? And I was just so curious about that. And he said, you know what? I don't know. And he said, I do know that in my mind, I know that he's like, but I can't for some reason Mm. still get rid of that anger. And he said, to be perfectly honest, because like, again, the way his mom grew up, they grew up in East LA in a poor neighborhood, rough neighborhood, you know, Latina, that kind of stuff. His brother was in and out of gangs. And he said, Denise, if I had grown up in that family, I probably would have been dead at like 14 or 16 or something. You know, so he's like, yes, you know, it's tough. I wish I could deal with this anger. I don't know why I have it, but I'm so much better off being in this family. So it's interesting as an adult, he could sort of understand it, Mm -hmm. but he still couldn't, he couldn't grasp it. He really couldn't get to the root of, you know, they always say like therapists, those first five years are so formative mm-hmm. in, in an adult. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he, those four years, who knows what he saw in those four years. No matter how, like I was trying to talk to my mom about this, no matter what, you know, on a logistical level, yeah. it's still that child that was left. Yes. They don't know the difference. Yeah. I don't know how you get through that. You know, I don't know how you heal that because he, like you said, he was going to a therapist and he was discussing all that stuff, but it's still, there was just always this anger in him. And he had, I think when I met you, he was your brother. I mean, I just, yeah. I just assumed Kenny. And in fact, I thought you looked most like him. Like yeah. I just knew Kenny was your brother because your whole family was like, this is my brother. There was never, we only yeah. brought up adoption together. I got to know him. We we're all yeah. hanging out. And I'm like, I'm adopted. He's like, oh, I am. And then you're like, yeah. you know that about Kenny. I'm like, no, I mean. Yeah, he definitely, I guess, maybe always felt, something was missing. Yeah. You know, probably the same wounds that we all have shared mm-hmm. as adopted mm-hmm. people, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. but then adding in, you know, actually seeing his parents and that's yeah. an interesting thing yeah. and still not living with the, you know, that, I don't know, maybe that add an extra layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would think it would help. you right. Like, Oh, I get to see my parents and they just can't take care of me as opposed to don't want me, you know, because I think when adopted children don't know why they were given yeah. up, right, then it's the wonder, 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 but he knew. And it's still kind of like, why don't you? Why can't they get it together? To, why can't they get yeah. it together? Yeah. Well, yeah. To be with me. His mom, especially maybe it's the yeah. mom wound, because the dad, he was always in touch with, I don't know how when he was little, but when he was an adult, I think his dad lived in like Atlanta, Georgia or something. So he would go fly out and see him. 
And he had um, cognitive issues though. Did his mom that. did his mom ever get sober? I don't think so. And I don't remember. I think she died from it. Mm. And I don't know when. I don't know when. But maybe as a yeah. child, that's tough to like, well, why can't you stop this? Because you know, yeah. heroin's just one of those drugs if, where if it's I were lovable enough, you would yeah. stop using drugs. Right. And maybe you know? that's where a lot of And the then wounds, the rage. Yeah. Maybe that's where a lot of the wounds come from more than his mom than the dad even because you know that mom love it's like they should fight for you right it's like you feel like the mom is the one that's supposed to protect you and what about I mean speaking of because you mentioned death I mean I was at your your father's funeral I knew your father passed and yeah what took place there for Kenny I know sure yeah that yeah I know I know you were there for me thank god yeah so that was like my first year out of college 23 and my dad died suddenly from, he had a, a, a head injury the year before and he was, it should have been fine. So it was a shock. It was a complete shock to everybody. And it was interesting because Kenny, you know, everybody deals with grief in their own way. Right. And Kenny just took charge of everything, just was like organizing paperwork and handling. I, mean, I think my mom did a lot of the funeral preparations, but like, I don't know, Kenny just, you didn't see any grief out of him. Like grief for me was like instant. Like I was just in shock. I was emotional. I was a wreck. And Kenny just, just, there was not one emotion out of him when this was all first happening. So then the funeral happens and my dad, he was always in rotary, the groups and YMCA. So like volunteered for everybody. It happened at the church. I forget what it's called, but in Sherman Oaks and it's maybe seats like 500 people. And it was packed. It was packed. Right. (laughs) And the priest, yeah, the priest even called my mom and said, who is your husband? Like, (laughs) cause it was her ex-husband at this point. Like who, who is he famous? You know, I don't know. Why are so many people here? So, you know, obviously as the kids were in the front row and they're mentioning Kenny or not Kenny, they're mentioning my dad and Kenny just is sobbing like a wreck. When you see those movies where like the mom throws herself on the, like, <laughs> that was Kenny. It was, and that was what I wanted to say about him was a loss for him. Like, obviously this was so hard for all of us, but a loss for him, it's just gets to this, this wound. Maybe it's like picking at that scab or something. Like he just, he can't have people leave him. It's abandonment issues. Abandonment issues. That's what it is. That's what what it is. And like, here I am a wreck. I'm 23. I'm not doing well. And now here's my brother who can't even stand. And that was just so painful. And I, you know, you're so, I'm so immature at that age. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know how to be the strong one right there. So I don't even know how we helped him. I think we just, we just all hugged him and the other thing that happened at the funeral, which was so painful, and so one of my dad's really good friends starts giving whatever I want to talk about Mark, blah, 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 what a wonderful man he is, left by his three kids and his nephew, Kenny. Oh. Like, oh. I mean, literally. I, was, I like, was like, wait, what? And then he kept saying it. Yes. He kept saying it. And I'm like, a few like, times. A and, few times. Yes. And I'm thinking, Wait, my brother just lost his dad and you're calling him a nephew? I, again, 23, there's 500 people. I'm like, do I yell at this man in front of everybody? (laughs) Like I, from day one, this was my brother. It never crossed my mind he wasn't my brother. And so I'm thinking, this kid is, like, even if this man thinks this, even if my dad ever called him that, which I don't think he ever did, this is not the time to bring this up. Did and Kenny also, notice it? Oh. I don't think he did because I think because he, he was so crying in his I grief. Think he and was so. broken up so much that, but like, like how the audience knows it because 
We they had did. all different friends in advertising. My ex-husband was there, and people were like, "I didn't know that was." That oh, really? So people noticed it? Like, yeah. So I didn't know you about Kimmy's. You know, like it's yeah, like I wanted to, to yeah. Okay, yeah. It was weird. So I don't know. I felt now is not the time to mention this. He lost his father. He lost this is his the father. Thing people do. We had a he lost his father. Like this, oh, mm-hmm. just oh, it just made me so mad. So I don't know if I could go back in time. Would I have yelled at this man? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. What was Kenny close to your mom? Yes, for sure. My mom treated every child the same, but different. And maybe all moms do that. So there definitely were times I'm like, huh, is she being hard on him? Because he was adopted? Like, you know, I don't know. And, and Ken, again, Kenny was not an easy child. Yeah. Did he have, did he have a bad adolescence? <sighs> mostly, uh, like I said, mostly just the fights. No substance abuse or anything? No, no, you know, nothing like kids go to parties and have beer or something yeah. like that. You know, nothing bad. He would get in trouble in high school, like, but we both would. And I think because we were, we were six months apart. And I think we would sort of bond during those high school years because my mom, I don't know, she sort of let the older brothers sort of like Randy was a surfer. So it was like, ah, he can mm-hmm. do his own thing. And then Greg was the straight A model child. Yeah, so the perfect kid. Perfect kid. So like, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing because he wasn't a perfect kid. And Greg, yeah. you know, you weren't. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so she, so they let him get away with stuff. And so then Kenny and I were always like grounded for not doing anything. Like it was just sort of <laughs> like, I know you're going to be up to no good. And we were like, but we haven't even done anything, right? <laughs> and so we would always get in trouble together. So we sort of, that sort of bonded us. And again, like maybe because we were close in age, we always were sort of there for each other in certain ways. And you guys were cute together. Yeah. And I remember him <laughs> saying, like as an adult, because I didn't even remember doing this, that in high school, we both went to different private schools. Oh, I was just going to ask if you went to the same school. So yeah, you we went to, yeah. So we went to different private schools. And it was more because I went to a school called Chaminade in the Valley and he wanted to go to this all boys school just on his own. He could have gone with me, but he decided to go to Chaminade and Chaminade was, uh, I'm sorry, he went to Notre Dame and Notre Dame was actually more strict than Chaminade Mm. at the time. I don't know now. And so he would get in trouble for who knows what, like all these things all the time. And so my dad, I guess, made him wear the same clothes for an entire week. I don't even remember this. And so he told, Kenny told me as an adult, oh, the worst thing you can do to a teenager. Oh my Teenager, right? Because it's like Uh, your clothes matters, right? Your clothes are your identity as a teenager. Your identity. And my dad knew that. My dad's like, oh yeah. And so Kenny told me as an adult, oh yeah, you snuck clothes out for me in a backpack and you handed them to me. And every day you would give me clothes. So I didn't have to wear the same clothes. I'm like, I did. That was nice of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you would have been grounded if you'd gotten caught. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You were very fashion forward even. Though. I, you would, you would have been yeah, wearing the like same that. clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been. It didn't even dawn on me that I could have gotten in trouble. I was just like, oh, you can't do that to a, a kid in high school. So I just was like, you know, I just felt. Denise knows so, her fashion. You can. I know my fashion. You do not mess with fashion. <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, his coming from his early childhood background and his brother and his, you know, his biological family, was he able to find a career for himself? And yeah, yeah. I mean, he did always kind of, I think, struggle with what he wanted to do. Like he got into advertising a little bit like I did, but I think he was kind of in sales and advertising. And then he did like construction. He did stuff for us. Well, he did tile. He did tile because that was what Randy did. So it was interesting. Like I said, the earlier years, I think 
Kenny and I maybe had those more bonding years together. And then I think as he got older, I think he bonded with our oldest brother a lot because they were both surfers. So then they really bonded over that. And then Randy is a tile person that he has his own business. Mm -hmm. And so then Kenny would do tile with him. And then I think, you know, like I said, he did advertising for a while. Then I think the tile kind of became, I'm good at this. I don't know if it was his passion, but his passion ended up being flying. So then, then he bonded with the other brother over that. So Greg is a pilot, went to Annapolis again, the straight A, you know, got into Annapolis, <laughs> was maybe going to be an astronaut at one point. Kenny always wanted to fly. He was one of those kids that like played with the military ships that you would build and like him and his friends in the neighborhood had those toy guns and they'd play army. You know, that was always his thing. And so he would say to me, like, I always love that Greg's flying. And, and he'd always talk to our friends that like would fly helicopters. And he's like, this is what I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, well, why aren't you? You know? Yeah. So he finally didn't go to Annapolis. He didn't go that route, but he did his flight training, flight hours, all that kind of stuff. So he finally got to be a pilot and it was his dream. But sadly, it's what he died from. Yeah. He died from being a pilot. And how did um, that happen? Oh, that was just like, again, so tragic. We weren't expecting it. We were on the phone when you got that call. Well, I think I texted you you, and then you, Mm -hmm. luckily Louise was there to help me through it because again, another loss, like, uh, hey, Louise, guess what? So Um, basically it was just so crazy. So I, you know, as a, I'm a, you know, advertising writer and a screenwriter. And so I had mostly just been home with my son and focusing on my screenwriting. And if somebody would call me for an advertising job, I would do it. But I, I didn't want to get fully oh, back into yes. that career because advertising could be 60 to 80 hours a week. And I, I didn't want to do that with a, with a young kid. So I finally was like, oh, I'm going to take a I job. Remember. I'm, I'm going to do this. And so it was my first day on my first, first day. job since I had a kid, right? Like in an office, like not at home. And I call my mom. So my mom had been in the hospital just for tests, nothing bad. They just wanted to test some stuff. So I call her on my lunch break and she's sobbing. And I'm thinking, oh, she got bad results. It's okay. Well, we'll get through this. So I'm like, mom, it's okay. We'll get through it. And she's like, can barely talk to me. Sobbing, sobbing. No, 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 no. And I'm like, what's going on? So this other woman gets on the phone and I guess it's like a grief person at the hospital or something. And she says, your brother, Kenny, died in a plane crash, died instantly. Your mom is next of kin, the, the first person they call. And I'm still in shock because I'm like, well, how do you know? You're not there. Like, I, it, you, you know, when you hear this news, you're thinking, well, I, I'm not there. How do I know? It, it's probably fine, you know? Yeah. So the woman's like, no, your mom is next of kin. They didn't call his wife first. They called your mom. And that's when I'm like, oh, Crap, this is for They real. didn't call his wife first. No, wow. He, he didn't want that. He wanted because he I think he knew my his wife would him. be traumatized by this. Should so a young he, baby. I think he wanted they had a young baby. That, mm-hmm. So it's been 10 years now. This year it was 10 years, which is crazy mm-hmm. to me. I guess he wanted the family to know before his wife. Obviously, that's his family, but like to someone be there. So, you know, I text Louise after this and I'm like, Great. What happened? It, it was on the news. I mean, because it was in. Los it was Angeles all over the news. Yeah, it was, it was at the Long the Beach Airport. And Louise is like, "You've got to go home." And I'm like, "But I just started my." She literally job. was like in shock. <laughs> I was in shock, and so I'm like texting my husband, and he's like, well, "You I'm know, Louise, you. like yeah, the two of them are trying to tag team, like get her to go home, you know." And I finally listened to them, and you know, because Louise is like to my husband, she's in shock. 
you know, go, Alex, so, go get her. Didn't yeah. Know. And I'm like, no, I'll, I'll drive home. And I literally sobbed the whole way home. Like, cause I still didn't think I was sad, but like tears were forming my, uh, you know, pouring down yes. my face the whole, and I'm like, it's probably not safe to drive home this way. <laughs> 405 all the way to the Valley. And I walk into the house and I just look at my husband and my son, however old he was, he was little. And I'm just like, I'm just going in my room. And they're like, okay, it just, and I just cried for sure that whole day. And then who knows how long. And then my sister-in-law texts me and is like, I'm, I'm driving straight to see Kenny's wife. I don't think she knows yet. I want to be there when she finds out, you yeah. know? So it was just. The he was that, finally getting like the love. He Well, that's like, interesting. Cause there's yes. a lot of, a lot of thoughts in this. So he didn't obviously have the family that he thought he wanted, right? And he got that with his wife, such a great partner. They were so great together. He was a great dad. He was kind of like the hands-on dad. Like his wife had the full-time job. He did the tile. He did the flying here and there. And so he really got to be a hands-on dad. And it felt like it made him that whole family he had been mm. looking for. I don't know if you guys felt like that when you guys had your blood child, yeah. you know, like... Yes. And you could see that something was healed there for him. And one just hand, softer. of course, it's it like was softer. Yeah. And like, just loved her, loved yes. her, loved her, loved her. Like the light of, and, and it was so sad. Like, wait, now she's not having that, oh. that father. So it's so interesting. And then, but part of me thinks maybe he just was supposed to have that healing. And that was all he was supposed to have. And then the bummer thing too, of course, was when he died. I said to my mom, when she told me, literally, as we're crying, he died doing what he loved, mom. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's not a horrible thing. You know, of course, we didn't want him to die, but this is what he loved, you know. So it was interesting. It, oh, and he did crap. love it. He loved, he loved flying. It. He loved flying. The wounds he had, they healed for him. And maybe that's all he needed. I don't know. Mm. You know, why did he go so young? I don't, I don't know. God, yeah. Makes me sad. I know. Picturing that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And his daughter was two and a half. And oh, just... she was my neighbor, right? Yes. yes. Right. Because you've met I was going to say that's that. Right. Yes. That's right. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that you small world? <laughs> I know. Small... I lived on the same street. Yes. I'm like, because you're like, oh, I'm moving to Culver State. I'm like, oh, my sister in law and niece live there. And you're like, oh, I'm moving to the street. I'm like, I think that's where they live. And then we went to a, a barbecue little, neighborhood. We all went to your cute little street barbecue. <laughs> neighborhood, neighborhood party, yes. <laughs> that was so funny. You and are, you, are you close to your sister-in-law now? And Yes, yes, yes. And it's interesting because after he died, like I would always try to see him, right? Like, you know, when he had his baby or even before that, I always, and Kenny was always too busy. Always, he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to get together with you. But he was always making all these other plans very flaky. He'd be like, I'll be over. And then you wouldn't see him. I would try so hard to be in touch with him, you know? And he just, mm -hmm. I don't know. He always seemed like he had other people he needed to see. And, and that was interesting when he died at the funeral, all these relatives that I didn't even know he had, but maybe they were his relatives, maybe not mine, you know, that whole cousin thing. And they'd be like, oh yeah, he'd come by and we'd see him and they would live not far from me. And I'm like, wait, he saw you, but he didn't see me. And I'm his sister. It was interesting. And it made me think, he maybe never felt like he belonged anywhere. Mm -hmm. I felt like he was my brother. And obviously he knew I was his sister, but he also felt like he, I don't know, he was like a part of everyone in the family. It was I also think you're the person, I mean, just knowing you two from outside, yeah. I think you're the person that he felt most close to. 
Mm -hmm. and that you had his number type of thing. Like you really, I mean, you were very deep. Yeah, spiritual yeah. philosophical person. Yeah, and if Kenny was feeling insecure by anything, you'd know because I remember yeah, you'd be like, and so true. that's yeah, an that's avoidance true. too. If you're going that's through stuff like true, that's true. Yeah, know? so yeah, so it was interesting. So like when when he had his daughter, I would see them like maybe once a year, but I wanted to see them more. Yeah, and so after he passed away, I see him except for COVID. I see his wife because she wants his daughter to know his family. I love that. She makes the effort more than Kenny did. So I see them more now than I did when Kenny was around, which is Maybe a bummer. Maybe that's a healing thing, though. I mean, yeah, for her. But, like, I wish I saw them that much when he was around because <laughs> I wanted him in my life, you know. Yeah. So, But it was interesting. And it was almost like the week before he died, almost everyone – that was at the funeral said, Oh, Kenny reached out to me Wow! out of the blue, which is interesting. Like, did he know? Huh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It was very interesting. So I don't know. Yeah. But wow. you know, I thought that was so interesting when I found out he was seeing all these other random relatives and then he was like, close to, he was close to, but like, I'm like, why are you seeing them? I'm your sister. You know? Yeah. I think it's that. But I think it's maybe, like an Louise, avoidance maybe you're a little right. bit. Maybe you're right. I mean, we all do that. I kind of hide from the people. Like, I don't want to have an answer. You're right. Because maybe it brings up those wounds for him. And maybe he was avoiding the truth of whatever it was, you know. Hiding from it. Mm -hmm. He was a loving, beautiful, spiritual person, though. So neat, you know, like his essence, just smiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had a beautiful smile. It always, uh, it always won over my friends. You have to send us a picture of him. Maybe all the friends had a crush on him. Like... (laughs) He dated almost all my friends, you guys, and I did not want it. And I was like, Kenny, I'm not a dating servant. <laughs> well, it's adorable that any you mean. And he was like, friends. he was literally like, until he met his wife, he was literally one of those guys that just could charm the pants off of every woman. Anybody. And then like, it, he kind of made me realize that most guys that are jerks don't know they are because he didn't get that he was like screwing over some of my friends. I'm like, Kenny, they know each other. He's like, why is that bad? Like he did not get it. And like, he didn't do it intentionally. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Like he just (laughs) didn't get that. Like a woman might be sad that he's seeing two women at the same time or like, they're overlapping. Well, Sarah like, and I have talked about this. A lot of adopted <laughs> kids are kids with that whole actually are promiscuous. So even though he's really? a boy, so for oh. women we say mm-hmm. you know promiscuous or whatever. But for a boy, you're also filling right. the void. Like there's okay, another. He's apparently, but he's searching. It's that. Uh, yeah, it well, is. Because he wanted the validation, I guess. Validation. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm lovable or I'm something lovable. That, yeah, yeah. I and mean, then just the, even as a friend yeah yeah and then those dimples and the oh. eye and the smile like he could have been like a latina hollywood you know heartthrob because he just like i said really every did. one of my friends just like loved all him. three yeah. of your brothers oh yeah all my brothers all like, oh yeah every single like every Judy, all my Judy, friends Judy. could pick one of my brothers <laughs> they'd be like i like him i like him i'm like my god you guys. are they single yeah. no yeah <laughs> no, I wasn't allowed to date any of my brother's friends. So I think there was something is unfair, you know, another double standard, <laughs> another double standard. Oh, God. <laughs> well, wow. What are your feelings like? Let, just to wrap it up. You've been listening to our podcast. So you related. You saw even though you grew up when thinking he's your brother. Now you can see, oh, the adoption really. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess him. like well, listening to all the episodes because I've listened to every episode you you guys have done. Thank you very much. I love. Well, I love it. It's just well, first of all, I'm so proud of you guys, but I also love it. I think you you guys are doing something. No, good authentically, job you're like I really love this. No, like, I really I mean, do. I'm so yes. I'm so excited for you guys because it's such a like I said, it's such a great thing, and I think it's really going to help a lot of people that don't even know they're looking for this. And even for me, like I wasn't listening to it because of Kenny. I just was like, well, this is really good. So I think people are going to stumble upon this that aren't even paying attention, you know, don't need to find out about adoption stuff. But for Kenny, I guess, as I was listening to both of your stories, and then other guests you've had so far, I, I you know, I'll text Louise like, Oh, my gosh, this is Kenny, this is what mm-hmm. he went through. And so all that stuff is so interesting. And in one hand, I'm sad he's not around to be able to listen to your podcast, because maybe yeah. you have him on. Yeah, it, yeah, to have him on and to even mm-hmm. just hear because maybe that would have been the missing component for him for healing, you know, maybe those would have been some of the things that would have helped him work through it. Cause he definitely struggled, you know, he really, he did. He, you know, like I said, he had the anger issues. He wanted to fight people all the time for no reason. One bad look, he wanted to fight the, the mm. you know, the, I'll the kill wounds. you. But he instantly went Man. to that, you know, just the wounds that were always there that just didn't, didn't heal. It's sad. Like I said, even with the therapy, it was, and who knows, maybe he needed another therapist or another kind of therapy. I don't know. You know, at least like, yeah, I don't know that you all the way, not sure it ever heals all the way. And maybe it doesn't. I think if he had stayed alive, the growth with his child is kind of what starts to heal from what we hear with guests with older children. You know, that's the healing sort of journey there. Yeah, I think certainly so. for me, it has been with yes, with mm. my son. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. I think that's what it would have because that's what I was seeing with his wife. because They were such a good team. And she just understood him. You know, mm. she just had so much patience and didn't see the anger. She didn't see it at all. I was like, how do you not see that? Like, it just didn't bother her. She was so easygoing. And so that's why she was so perfect for him. So that was healing. Him. I love he found that. Actually. Me too. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I'm so glad he had that at the end of his life, got to have the two relationships. I am, you know, and then the daughter just healed him too, you know? So yeah, like you don't want that. If I could wave a magic wand and make him still be here, of course, I wish he was, but the fact that he got to have the wife and the child that healed him and and the joy and the love that he didn't get. Yeah. That he didn't Mm. get. So it was nice that it's a good way for him to and go he out did get world, and he I did guess. get it. He couldn't bring it in because you guys are the most. He couldn't bring I, it in when yeah. I became <laughs> friends with you. I spent my first few Thanksgivings away from Colorado with Denise's family, and it was like yeah. love and. <laughs> I mean, like you're just loved. You're like your mom. Yeah. I feel like yeah. she's one of my mom. If I see your mom, I'm I'm a daughter. I'm. I know. Like, the yeah. love is big in your family. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. I'm so happy you came on today, Denise. Thanks. I really like just having another perspective. You know. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. This really was awesome. Nice. This was awesome to be able to talk about Kenny, and I didn't even honor him. And honor him. And I didn't even realize it was 10 years this year. So when oh, wow. to like, you know, think about that, I was like, wow, maybe there was a reason why. It's yeah. for you as well. It was. Yeah. It was, it was nice to be able to think about all these, these things that I hadn't thought about in who knows how long. So well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So, so great to hear Denise's perspective. And like, even though I've known her for years, we never really talked about this stuff. That's how I feel. I feel like we're 
meeting people all over again. We know somebody, but we don't really know all of this. I'm learning things about you every day. Yeah. And I just think we talked about that with Rebecca Autumn and Nancy Variate when they were on the show that it's not just a triad. It actually affects lots of other people, including the siblings and friends. I mean, we've had friends talk about it. And Denise started listening to our show as a friend of ours. And all of a sudden is texting us saying, I have... I have a whole thing with this. I'm thinking about my brother all the time. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, growing up, my brother and I didn't talk about it. We were both adopted. It wasn't really until I got older and started meeting friends that were adopted that I realized, oh, I I have these we have the same feelings. This I just thought I was alone in the world feeling like this. So, yeah. We we just got a note yesterday in our inbox saying Thank you for doing this show. I felt so alone going through this journey for the last several years. And I feel like I have friends on this now. And we're like, wow, this is just, it's amazing. And just that Denise could honor her brother in this way because she never really thought about why he had these things come up. She she didn't really understand. And now she's understanding. It's maybe like a light for other people to see what's going on with people they love in their lives. Yeah, it's it's really great to get different perspectives. You know, Maddie and Laura, who oh, were yeah. directly affected by somebody else's adoption, you know, yeah. and how that the butterfly effect of of it is really speaking of butterfly effect, it's so great that we're getting all these messages and and people from all over the world contacting us. So please keep that up. We cherish these messages that we get. So we, we do. We like we share them with each other every morning and think, okay, and let's make this better and better. It helps us do good work and look for interesting guests. And we also have Facebook Live. So. Yes, our first <laughs> Facebook Live will be. You'll hear it tomorrow. Oh my God! It will be tomorrow. I can't yes, yes, it. yes. Oh so. <laughs> yeah. So wish us luck on that. <laughs> yes. And if you have any questions or anything, hop on that Facebook Live and and ask us. We're we're going to be sitting there answering either to a lot of people or no people, but we'll just keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the making of me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.